reconcile people unto the Lord. So we're going to talk a little bit about a life that God blesses. And the way to understand that, the first thing is, is that you have to understand that you were created to be blessed. You were created to be blessed. Amen. Jesus didn't bring you to himself to have you take out the trash. Servitude is part of our relationship. But the relationship is not only subjected to that type of thing. The relationship with the Lord is a communion with him. And God created you to bless you. He created you to love you. The Bible actually calls us vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory would be from God and not from us. We are to be carriers of his kingdom, carriers of his goodness, carriers of his blessing, carriers of his reward. He looks to bless people. God is looking to bless people. God is looking to release the fullness. He says, my eyes roam to and fro, searching for the one that I can show myself strong to, the one whose heart is fully mine. The Lord said, if I find the one who's got a heart that's fully mine, I'm going to show myself strong to that one. That make, does that sound cool? That sounds cool to me. But the first thing you got to understand is you were created to be blessed. Blessed from his world, in his world, through his world. His, his world moves through your life. It affects every arena around you. But the blessings of God flow through specific things. You're blessed and you know the Lord. You have an inheritance. All of that stuff is good. I'm talking about a higher place. I'm talking about going to a different place. So you've got to realize that you were created to be blessed. You've got to come to that conclusion. And you've got to realize that you are not only created, you are not only created to be blessed, you're created to be a blessing. He wants to bless you, and he wants to partner with you in that blessing. It's like he wants to, you to be part of the family business. Say the church, I've had people tell me, Christian, the church isn't a business, Pastor. Church is not a business. Yes, it is. Who told you that? You did that research where? It's our father's business. This is our father's business. This is what he's all about. Changing, transforming lives, reaching people, restoring, building culture, reaching. And this is what he's all about. And God wants you to be a part of the family business. He wants you to participate in the family business. He wants you to reap the benefits and the rewards of living a life within the family business. Acts 17, it says, in him, that's Jesus. In Jesus, we live, we move, and we have our being. Which means, I'll, I'll throw it out there. John 15 is a good place to throw that in there. This is my life verse. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't say you can do some things. He didn't even say sometimes you'll succeed. He said, if you're going to live a life apart from me, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to bear the fruit that you were intended and created for, for you to bear. Apart from me, Kevin, you can do nothing. <laughs> that means... That everything that G I need, everything I do and everything I am to be a part of Jesus. And I, G I need to be in him. I need him in me. But I need to be in him first. I am the vine. You are the branches. The branch must abide in the vine. And then once the branch is abiding in the vine, you bear much fruit. Because without me, you're not going to go very far at all. Romans 11.36 for says, In him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be the glory forever. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. God releases from him, through him, and to him. So if he releases from himself, through himself, unto you, in order for the return to come back to him. That's the way it works. 
that it returns back to the Lord. And the whole, like the rain cycle, the water comes down, the water goes up, the seed goes in the ground, the seed comes up. This is a principle, a dynamic created principle of the kingdom. I was, uh, I, I had a bee's nest removed from, uh, I have this little like workhouse in my house and there was bees in the, in the wall, right? And so I'm calling around and uh, Matt's an exterminator, by the way. So Matt's giving me 50 ways to kill a bee, right? He's like, well, ideally you want to remove the nest. But he said, if you can't remove the nest, here's 50 ways to kill a bee. I'm like, dude, you got to write a book on that. So I, I actually prayed about it. I asked the Lord, what should I do? And the Lord's like, you know, save the bees, Kevin. Save the bees. And I'm like, okay, it's going to cost me more money. It's like, save the bees. So I saved the bees. And the guy comes out, and he knocks a hole in the wall. And I have pictures of it. I should actually show them to you guys. And he pulls the honeycomb out of the wall. He puts it in a box. So now I have a beehive. And now the guy's teaching me how to, how, to, how to grow the bees and multiply the hives. He says, you'll have honey in six months. He's already breaking the cone. This guy knew everything about bees. But he was telling me there's nothing like a bee. Nothing like a bee. And he says, the bee has to have the hive, and the bee has to have a leader. And he says, without the hive and without the leader, the, the, the bee dies. In, in, but the bee will produce a lot of honey if the bee has a leader and the bee has a hive. It will produce a lot of bees. And I thought, man, that's almost like gospel. You know, we have a leader in Jesus and we need each other. And when we work together, we can bear a lot of good things. We can bring forward a lot of fruit. And that's really what it's all about. And it says, to him be the glory for every, for everything comes from him and exists from his power and is intended for his glory. Every single thing is to bring God glory. It's to bring God glory. The narcissism of the fallenness of man thinks that the glory is all about ourselves. The world celebrates this. The world's culture celebrates this. They celebrate the outward. They celebrate individual success. The kingdom does not celebrate that. It doesn't celebrate that. It celebrates that your life bring honor to Jesus. That raised the banner. doesn't matter what you do. You can succeed. You can be, you know, God needs successful people in all arenas. We need successful teachers and business people and parents. And, you know, you can be successful, but it's not about you. It's not about you. The glory of my life with my children, I'll just use my children for an example, is not that my kids get PhDs and go off to Harvard Law. That's not the goal of my children. The world celebrates that. Instagram celebrates that. But my father does not celebrate that. And so I want to celebrate what my father celebrates. And what my father celebrates is, are my children walking and honoring him? Amen. No matter what they do in their life, is their life a flourishing experience of glory and honor unto him? That's what, that's what the kingdom celebrates. And so like some of the stuff, if you want a life that God blesses, there's a shifting of an alignment. And so we're going to talk about an integrated heart. The second part of that process would be a renewed mind. So if you want a life that God blesses and you want to move from measure to fullness, two simple things. They're very simple. There's a lot involved in the statements, but if you can just get the concept, it's an integrated heart and a renewed mind. An integrate, say with me, an integrated heart and a renewed mind. Yeah, say God's going to bless me no matter what. No, he's not. He'll take care of you no matter what. That's a, there's a difference. There's a major difference. He will take care of you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. The righteous will never be forsaken, nor their seed will be begging for bread. You're going to have enough, but there's a difference between enough and more than enough. Does anybody know the difference of that? And if you want more than enough, God will give you more than enough. But it takes something from you. It takes a shift. He's not giving you more than enough so that you can glorify yourself. That's not how he works. 
He gives you more than enough to glorify him for everything. It just tells us everything is for his glory. It's for his glory. You can have the best. Oh, my zipper's down. Oh, my wife. Hey, hey, my zipper's down. So I was like, wait a second. Something's going on. My wife would be in the front row telling me right now my zipper's down. She'd be like, your zipper's down, Kevin. Your zipper's down. So just keeping it real here, people. Just keeping it real. Have you ever had your zipper down? No? Yeah, I have. So anyway. Long story. I go in there, I, I tuck my shirt in, and I adjust my, myself before it, my, my pants, and sometimes I forget to, I, I make sure I buckle my belt. That's good. I actually, you know what the, big, the better thing is, is that I actually have my pants on. That's, that's really good. I, at least I made it that far, right? My pants are on. Shoes are tied. Good to go. On with the show. Everything is dysfunctional without Jesus, including my zipper. Nothing can have its full potential without him. You're like, oh, yeah, gonna, you know, I'm locking in the zipper thing in your head, right? Apart from me, it can do nothing. So the world's culture is fascinated with appearance, but the Lord expects deeper things from us. Here's 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, man, say it with me, mankind, mankind. looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus isn't, isn't, isn't impressed with outward appearance. He's interested in the heart. That doesn't mean outward appearance isn't necessary. Outward appearance is necessary, but it's not everything. It's not everything. And we put, we put everything on it. Our culture teaches us to put everything on it. Outward appearance. Somebody asked me one time, you know, it's all about, it's, you have to ask yourself the question, Kevin, who are you trying to impress? You're trying to impress people or you're trying to impress Jesus? That's the question. You know, we want to impress the Lord. So that means the heart is necessary. The heart is necessary. Everything the Lord is doing is, in your, is to bring your heart into alignment. If you want to know what God is doing in your life, every single thing he is doing, this is how patient the Holy Spirit is, is he is working with you and working with you to try to bring your heart into alignment. Even the pain that you suffer, if you'll process the pain and say, Lord, how did I end up in this place? Not, why did this happen to me? Oh, why? No, 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 no. That's what we're taught, but that's not the way we approach the Lord. You, you evaluate the experience. What happened here, Lord? What did I not see? What, what is the circumstances surrounding this? And there's deeper layers to that. But if you process it, even at that, at that level, he's going to start talking to you. He'll start talking to you. And he's like, you didn't align with me, Kevin. You made a decision outside of me. You didn't listen to me. And I'll be like, where did I not listen to you, Lord? Kevin, you didn't, you, you know... Remember your conscience being pushed here? Remember that? Remember me trying to get your attention? And maybe remember you deciding against your... You remember that, Kevin? Oh. So next time I need to align my heart. Right? Lord, why can't I succeed? Why can't I be blessed? What, what, what keeps holding me back? You know, and there's spiritual things that might be involved there too. But sometimes it's disobedience. We have to take care of the obedience. Once... The Bible says God will judge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Say it with me. The Lord will judge all the disobedience in my life when my obedience is fulfilled. It's even, look, I do deliverance, man. So it's like if you got dis areas of disobedience, there's a, the devil has a claim to right against you. And God's not going to judge the injustices that the devil is using against you until you get yourself into obedience. Just a thought. You have to come into obedience. 
in order to go free. He will not judge the disobedience until your obedience is right. Some of you have circumstances and situations that you're waiting for God to set right. Well, he's not going to set it right until you come into obedience. Hmm? And part, you know what that one is? That one's a painful one. Sometimes you've got to forgive the people that hurt you. I can't forgive them, Lord. I can't forgive them. The Lord's like, well, then I'm not judging what they did. I'm not going to do anything about what they did until you come into obedience. You say, that's not fair. I don't care if it's fair. It's his word. And what God expects from us on, on the level of forgiveness is he expects willful forgiveness. This is an important thing. We're doing an inner healing class here this morning. The Lord's like, say it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to say it. There's, say it with me. There's willful forgiveness. And there's emotional healing related to forgiveness. They're different. What God expects is he expects a willful intent. That's what heaven expects, that you would willfully forgive. The emotional side is where the wound is. This is why we trip up all the time. I've forgiven that person, but then you hear the song, you know, about your boyfriend getting married. I heard that you're married now. And you're just like, oh, oh, oh. You're ready to kill somebody, right? You hear the song. You see the place. Something happens, and all those emotions are fired, and you feel the hatred of that. And you feel the anger of that. And the devil comes over you and wants to condemn you. Oh, you, I thought you forgave. And you're like, I thought I forgave. God, help me forgive. Help me forgive. Heaven's released you. But the bondage is in the soul. The bondage is in the emotion. And that's where the manipulation is coming from. That requires a different process. But what God expects from you is willful forgiveness. Willful forgiveness. And so you cannot judge yourself by emotional pain. Say it with me. I cannot judge myself related to emotional pain. What the Lord expects is the willful intent. So you all are here. You all been hit. You, somebody, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't hurt deep enough. You ever forgive somebody, but then you see them and you're just like. Is it only me? Am I, that only, am I the only person in the room that's like that? Okay. And so that's the differentiation. I'm hurt and I'm damaged and I'm wounded. And that emotion is pointing to something that needs to be dealt with. But the willful intent is all that my father expects. Thank you. Exactly. You're welcome. Be free in the name of Jesus. Don't let any condemnation come over you. Amen. 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 And we keep asking God, take it away, take it away, take it away. He's not going to take it away until you confront it. You have to confront that. There's a process that requires inner healing. How do I know? Because I'm not just one of the, I'm not just um, the president of the, I don't know, heal the, I'm, I'm one of the clients. I'm the number one client. I understand this. Because I've tried to figure out a way, how do I get this crap out of me, Lord? How do I get free from this? This, you know, if, if you've set me free, then why am I not free? Another story, another day. This is what he expects. God will judge the disobedience around you when you fulfill it with obedience. Willfully forgive that person. Lord, I willfully forgive them. I release them unto you. They owe me no debt. I release them to you. And I give you permission now to right the wrong. I give you permission to right the wrong. I give you what you asked me for, willful forgiveness. I give you that. There's my offering. I offer that to you. It's an offering, right? Offerings hurt, right? So we offer that to him. And then we give him permission to, to, to turn the matter around. And then watch what he does. Then God will begin to turn the matter around. Integrity. So everything that God is doing in your heart is to bring him into alignment. The Bible uses these words. There's going to be a couple different words. Upright in heart, integrity of heart, or the pure in heart. They're all related to the same idea. 
But God is always talking about the heart, right? This is the conversation that he's having. He's trying to get the heart into alignment. Integrated means, integrity, we get the word integrated from that, but it means ready, it means aligned, it means whole. We get the word integer, any of you that are into math, right? I try not to talk too much about math on weekends, right? I don't understand that. Some of you guys that like math, you get the word integer, it means whole, like a whole number, right? Integer, we get it from that. So integrity means ready, aligned, whole, and complete. The church teaches integrity as there was some outward thing where we all stand up straight, we all got our suit on, we got our hair cut tight, we talk right, hallelujah, brother. You know, we, 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 we perform outwardly with our integrity. And we judge each other whether we have integrity by the outward appearance. Again, not God's culture. God's not looking for the outward integrity. He's looking for the inward integrity. Huh? That's what he's looking for. And integrated, it also means, it means integritas. And there's two places in the ancient world where this word comes up. And it's interesting. If you understand where this word was used, you'll understand what God is trying to implement to us. When a soldier put his armor on, when the Roman soldier put his armor on, he was to stand, and they would have, um, I forget what they call him, but the, uh, uh, I don't know, the, man, I can't remember what they're called. The, the guy that would oversee the, 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 the not the general, but the, there was a Roman name for him, and the, the, he would, uh, the, the centurion, right? Yeah, definitely. And they would stand there, and they would go like this, and, the, he would say, and they would strike their heart, and they would say, integritas, integritas. In other words, my armor is complete, integritas. And they would strike themselves on the heart. My heart is ready and my armor is ready. Integritas. That's what they would say. Another thing in the ancient world, the ship has integrity. Some of you are in the Navy. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to say the ship has integrity. What's that mean? The ship's not lying. You know, the ship looks really good on the outside. No, it means the ship is whole. The ship is ready to face the storm. So when God's talking about integrity of heart, He's talking about putting you in a place where you can face the battles in your life. Integritas. You're ready. The ship has integrity. How many knows you're going to go through some storms? Huh? Hello? Right? We go through the storm. We don't sink in the storm. We go through it. Right? And we're like, whoo, that was great. I don't know if I want to go through that storm again, but that was a killer ride, man. Remember when that wave looked like it was going to sink us? Boom. But the ship had integrity and we were able to go through armor we're going to fight battles we have to have integrity within the armor integrity our hearts have to be ready and we have to know trust our equipment when god is working in your life and he's trying to bring your heart into alignment he's trying to get your heart into a whole place so that you can face the inevitable bat inevitable battles you will have inevitable battles paul said trouble in the city trouble in the country trouble yes we have blessing in those places too we have blessing but every time Israel took a blessing, they had to go into a fight. God's got blessing for you on the other side of a fight most of the time. This is the misnomer of the church. We think we're going to lay around on, a, on like a gurney with a, you know, a protein shake in our hand, in a, in a remote, watching TV, sipping on a, on a juice box while Jesus brings us the blessing. It doesn't exist like that in the scripture. The blessing is there. The promise is there. But it's on the other side of a fight. On the other side of a fight. Hmm? You see it with David? How many knows God wanted to deliver Israel from the Philistines? He completely did. But somebody had to go out there and fight their giant. And Saul was too afraid. No, Jesus, just do it for me. <laughs> Paul's shaking in his tent. A little boy shows up. He says, it's not about you, Paul, Saul. It's not about me. It's not even about this nation. It's about the Lord's honor. 
This is about Jesus. The little boy went forward and on the other side of a fight, and Jesus is like, oh, look at that. Look what my boy can do. Look what I'm going to build something great with this one. Because he understood blessing was on the other side of a fight. He knew that. And blessing, say it with me, blessing, blessing. oftentimes blessing. is on the other side of a fight. Say this, it might be a fight with myself. <laughs> it might be a fight with my circumstances. Whatever it is, it's on the other side of a fight. Israel had to go into the promised land. The Lord said, you got to fight. Don't worry, I'm with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight with you. And when I fight with you and you win, you're going to learn that you're a winner. You're going to learn that you overcome. That's right. And you're going to learn that you're more than a conqueror. And so, Jesus, that's why that's dear. There's again the story of David. He had a lion and a bear. We all know the story. We've heard this. You've heard that story taught a thousand times, if not at least 20. If you're, you know, even relatively new to the faith, you've heard that taught. David had a, David killed a lion. David killed a bear. He said it'll be just like that. Why? I, look, I took I took the, the sheep out of the paw of the lion, out of the mouth of the lion. And he said the bear, the bear had his paw over me. And the Lord delivered me from the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion. This dude's going to be just like one of those. Because I know the Lord is with me. I know he's with me. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. When we win, we learn. But we have to fight to get strong. God wants giant killers. I talked to you last week. God, the Bible talks about raising up arrows. Arrows in the hand of a skillful warrior. So shall your sons and daughters be. Yeah, that's your family, but it's also his family. I take that as a command upon the church that God wants skillful warriors. He wants arrows. Make me arrows, Kevin, because I'm a skillful warrior. That's a command over the church, but we don't make arrows. We make feathers. We, we run around tickling everybody. <laughs> You're an arrow. Say, Lord, I want to go forward. He's like, I'm sure you do. It's like, let's just draw you out. Let me just pull you back a little bit, and let me loose you right into the heart of your enemy. Boom. Down goes your giant. Jesus walks up and says, hey, we're making progress, aren't we? He'll pull the arrow out. Say, where do we want to go now? I want to go over there, Jesus. Boom. And then he launches the arrow again into the next giant. That's how your life advances. Your life advances that way. But you must become an arrow in the hands of a skillful warrior and stop being a feather, wanting everybody to tickle you. I talked last week about there are two trumpets in Leviticus, the trumpet for worship and the trumpet for war. The, the culture right now, I don't know if you looked around lately, it's not, it's not really friendly. The church needs to be in a war posture, a warfare posture, and we're in a worship posture. Nothing wrong with worship. I said worship should be warfare and warfare should be worship. But if you see what the church is doing, we're just worshiping in the streets. Woo! Woo! I'm all in. I want to worship in the streets. I'm all in. I've been there. I've been to a couple of them. I'm all in. But at the same time, we got to fight the culture. We have, and I'm not saying fight the culture. We have to fight for the kingdom. We have to uphold the kingdom. The, the, while we're out there dancing in the street, they're taking our schools. The enemy is the devil is taking your schools. He's taking your schools. You understand that? They're trying to bring about, I mean, thank God our government is structured this way, but if they get an opportunity, they're trying to do anti-proselytizing laws in the United States. They are. Some dude blasted me on face on, on YouTube. I should show his name out there. He's like, what law are you talking about? There's no law. I'm like, listen to the message, dude. 
I didn't say there was a law. That's not what I said. They're trying to do, they want to silence the gospel. They want to prevent the Christian from proselytizing, which means bringing people to Jesus. They want to silence the mouth. This is, this is what they want to do. And so the church has to find somewhere. We either got to pray for it. We, I, I, don't, I don't quite know how to do it. I'm not saying I understand what to do, but I understand that this is what is necessary. We need to pray that God would raise up men and women within this nation, within our generation, who will withstand the things that are coming against us. And when God raises them up, you need to support them and stand behind them. If you look at the culture, you'll see that the people that God is raising up right now aren't even Christians. They're not Christians at all. And do you know why? Because he can't find a prophet within his house that has any courage. He cannot find a prophet among his own people that has any guts. And so he'll find the secular one who will speak it. He'll find a Ben Shapiro. And he says, I don't like Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is not a Christian. Ben Shapiro stands for the same things you do. We have shared values. Shared values. You understand that? And so what happens is, is God raises up the prophet, even from the secular, like, well, he's not a Christian. I'm not going to follow him. He speaks the shared value. Jordan Peterson. I don't like Jordan Peterson. I don't like that guy. I don't like him. He's too rough. He's too this. He's too that. He's too everything. Prophets are rough, people. Prophets are rough. They're rough. That's what gives them the ability to do what they do. It's because they don't care what people think. And the church is all feathers. Feathers! He's not a feather. He's not a feather. I don't like him. He's not a feather. He needs to say that differently. He's not a feather. Feathers, not arrows. And look what we lose. Look what we lose. Look what we're losing. Huh? It's not about, sometimes it's not about the paradigm needs to be seen from both ways. It needs to be seen by what we gain, but it also needs to be seen by what we lose and what we're losing. Just a thought. So intercessors, and there's plenty of you in the room, form a group, form an alliance. We're doing our best to try to coagulate and bring, bring intercessors together and begin to pray for our nation that God will raise up prophets and you'll see them. You'll see them. You'll see them. You'll see them. You're already seeing them. Because people are praying for our nation. And the Lord is looking to his house, but he can't find any. Because we're too worried about appearances. Well, we don't want the world to not like us. We don't want the world to not like us. If we say something, and it's not even the world that doesn't like those guys. It's the church. The church comes at these guys with bats and just beats them down. We need to be loving. And we need to be kind and accepting to all people. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. <laughs> when Jesus comes, some of you all you need to do is you just need to do a survey. Just read the book of Revelation. Just read it. I'm not telling you you have to understand it or articulate it, but just read it. Read what, read what Jesus is for and read what Jesus is against. Read what he's going to do when he comes. Read it. And then you'll understand. You'll understand. I love to point out in the book of Revelation that the cowardly are the first ones that are thrown into the lake of fire. The cowardly. That's the first, that's, that's numero uno on his list are the cowards. So what does that tell you? It, does, it means that Jesus isn't expecting us to be cowards. Church must rise. Church must rise. 
we stop being a feather. Just say this. I renounce the weakness of the heart and the mind of this culture. I embrace the heart of the lion from which I am born. I will fear no one at any time in any circumstances, whether within the house or without of the outside of the house. I will not fear. I will carry the heart of the lion and I will not weaken myself in the face of a defiant culture. Yeah, come on. We're in this together. Together. We have to be together. We must unite together. Again, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. I feel prayer and intercession is the first thing. And I think if we can form prayer and intercessory groups and we'll pray consistently, we do. But I think I feel like God's going to burst some other things. I feel like there's a strength going to come into our prayer groups this year. I really do. And I think it's going to be different. I think you're going to see like crazy change. <laughs> right? I believe that these prayer groups are going to pray specifically. And I believe we'll get testimonies out of the prayer groups. And I believe prayer groups are going to say, we prayed specifically that God would do this. And they'll point, to the, they'll point to the culture. They'll point to a change. They'll point to something going on in our city. They'll point to something in the land. And it will become from a specific prayer that the intercessors have called on. Yeah? I believe it. Anybody believe that? Come on. Integrated. Everything functions as one. That's what the word integration means. Your whole life is to function as one. Right? Easier said than done. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Easier said than done. But your whole life is to function as one. Every area of your life. So in the Greek culture, the word hypocrite or hypocritos comes from the person who likes to wear the mask. Right? They run behind the scenes. They put the mask on. And now they're playing this player. Then the next act, they come back, they change another mask, and now they're playing someone else. It's word hypocritos. It means actor, someone who wears the mask. So what we had then, you say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. I always tell people, sure is. There's always room for one more, so come on down. Join the party. Well, what, we, what, what hypocritos is, is it's the opposite of integration. We shouldn't be one way on Sunday and one way on Monday. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're not broken or you, know, you, don't, have, you don't have bad days and things like that. But the, your heart, the direction of your heart should be integrated. And we tend to teach people that when we come in, we, we operate. We, we're, we Kingdom culture is what changes everything. When you live kingdom culture, it's everything. When you live church culture, then you're going to come and say, hallelujah, praise God, brother, bless you. Know, you're going to live because you're, you're operating in a church culture. When you operate in a, in a world culture, you're going to be like the world and you're going to be operating like that. When you operate in a kingdom culture, it's just the way it is. I'm the way that I am, good, bad, and ugly. I'm not saying I don't have issues. I got a lot of issues. I'm not saying I don't have problems. I got a lot of problems. But you know what I am? I know what I am. And I love my father. I know who he is. I know who I am. And I know what he wants from me. And if I don't know what he wants from me, I'm going to find out. And I'm going to, my life is going to direct that way. That's integration. That doesn't come through church culture. That doesn't come through world culture. That comes through kingdom culture. This is what changes us. So I almost lost my Jesus on a guy yesterday. So I went to Publix, right? I'm going to Publix. Uh-oh, yeah, here we go. I'm walking out of the shopping center. I'm just like, do-do-do-do-do. You know, I'm loving it kind of thing. I'm just kind of like cruising out. I'm like, you know, whatever. Get my wife wants sushi. I guess a day after Thanksgiving, two days after Thanksgiving, she, you know, no more turkey. I want sushi. So I go to Publix and get her sushi. Whatever. Guy comes up behind me. You know, I'm walking through the parking lot. And the guy's in a, he's in a truck, and he's just laying on the horn like, ah, 
I'm not talking like a little beep, you know, move out of the way. He's laying on the horn. I like stop. I look at the guy and I move the cart over and I go like this. The dude rolls his window down and just begins to blast me wow. with profanities. <laughs> right? He was an artist. That guy was a profanity, rhetorical, or he was rhetorically artistic in the way he was cussing me out. And, you know, I'm a dude. So what we get as men is we get an adrenaline rush. That's the first thing that guys get. Guys go into warrior mode real quick. Your eyes flash. Adrenaline goes up. Hair stands up on your arms. And I can hear the Holy Spirit going, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And all I said to him, I said, it's a parking lot. I said, you're driving through. Oh, I don't give a flag. I do no parking lot. And then I said, I said, man, you got issues. I did say a couple things, so I can't say I didn't say nothing. But I wanted to say a whole lot more. I wanted, I wanted to let him know that two can cuss like that. That's what I really wanted him to know. You got F-bombs? I got F-bombs too, brother. You know? No, no. Is that too close? Is that too close for some of you? Is that too close? But I didn't do it. And my adrenaline was pumping while I was sitting in the car. And I'm like, whoa. I had to calm myself down. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. <laughs> as painful as it is. But he cussed me out. He's like, I got issues. I got issues. You trying to tell me I got issues? Vayner popping out of his neck. <laughs> I got issues. You got issues, man. If you're watching, <laughs> yeah, my point with that is it's not easy. It's not easy. But I just, I'm not going to do it, you know. I'm not going to do it as much as I want to. And I'm not, say, I'm not saying I'm exempt from not doing it. So you might actually see me on, it, on time to time where I'm actually over the line. Yeah. You're like, wow, look at him, you know. But it's, it's just real. It's humanity. But like I'm listening to this. I'm like, Lord. And he's like, don't do it, Kevin. Don't do it. And I could hear the Lord going, don't do it. And I'm like, I'm holding the shopping cart looking at this guy. I know, right? My favorite was when the veins were popping out of his neck. Going, I got issues. I got issues. You're telling me I got issues? I'm like, bro, look in the mirror, man. Anyway, another story. The pure in heart. So Jesus says this, right? Integrity is to get our lives to function as one, right? So I'm trying to be the same person in that public's parking lot that I am. Not because I'm trying to do this religiously, but because it honors God. And I know if I, if I open my big mouth, I'm not going to honor the Lord. There's nothing good going to come out of my mouth right now. I'm, you know, I'm in the wrong state emotionally. My adrenaline is up. So the best thing is, is to bite my lip, right? And walk away as hard as that was, because I want to be the same person then as that, you know, I don't want to be duality. I don't want to be the different person. He says, blessed in the pure in heart, they will see God. What does this mean that we will see God? This is, again, this integrated heart. The pure in heart, it means unmixed, unmixed, an unmixed heart, right? And the journey of our lives is to get our hearts from being mixed, to get our hearts from being won over by different things, right? Get our hearts that way. It says an open, and what it means is it's open, honest, trusting, and vulnerable, now, let's just be real here. The only way you can get open, honest, trusting, and vulnerable with the Lord is to know that you are loved and accepted. If, and, and again, a lot of times there's trauma in our lives that prevent us 
from being open, honest, and accepting. This is why we like religion, because religion doesn't cause us, force us to be vulnerable. When we have issues within our heart, you know, abandonment, brokenness, issues going back in time where, you know, that, that issue remains there and people have a hard time giving themselves to the Lord or they have a hard time trusting they want to, they believe that they should, but they have a hard time getting to that place where their heart is fully there. And that's a different story. A lot of times people's expectations have been met, have not been met, and so they blame God. Say it with me. The Lord does not obligate himself to my expectations. He obligates himself to his word. So our expectations are in his word. If he tells you he's going to deliver you, he will deliver you. You might think he's going to deliver you with a parade. He never promised you the parade, but he did promise you deliverance. He might tell you he's going to heal you. You might expect healing to come in some different way. But his promise to you is that he's healing. How he does it is not based upon how you expect it. And so sometimes people get unmet expectations and their heart gets offended at the Lord. And really, it's not, it's Jesus, but it's also other losses. We've had a lot of losses and disappointments. It compounds itself out. We have to deal with our losses. Y'all need to go to the inner healing school when I do it, and we'll work that one out. It says, blessed and they will see God. Optizomai, it means see with perception, awareness, and encounter. The pure in heart will become fully aware of God, his presence. So the more, the more cleansed and the more junk you get, all the garbage you get out of your heart, the higher the spiritual encounter. It's related to the heart and the junk and the baggage that we carry in the heart. When the heart becomes clear, the spiritual encounter goes up. The awareness goes up. It, it, it increases. And so it says they will see God. And it says it, it's saying radiance, shining, and glowing. A radiant, shining, glowing heart. How beautiful is that? And that's that integration within the heart. A lot of times we have contradictions. That comes back to that whole place of unmet, un, uh, of integrated heart. There's integration that we have to do on purpose, and then there's integration that we have to do internally. There's externals to this kingdom, but there's also internals. There's lies that we believe, that you're not loved, right? Okay, I'll share this with you. Do I have time? I got time. I can finish this real quick. You guys want to hear this? Okay, do you want, I'm gonna, I need a bigger response than that. Okay. Some of you have heard it before, but you're going to hear it again because it's necessary. The contradictions in your heart prevent you from moving forward. God wants to bless you, but there are contradictions. I didn't say it's in your head. It's in your heart. How do you know this? Because I'm one of the clients. So let me show you this, right? If you don't want normal Christianity, you can get it anywhere. I want kingdom. So that's what I preach. I preach kingdom. You want, you want normal Christianity. You want, like, you want a slurp. You want a juice box and a pinwheel. You can get that all over town. We're arrows here. We're not feathers. That's what we do. We want to be arrows. We want to advance this kingdom. We want to see the fullness of God come into our lives and unto this world. Do we not? Yes? This is what it's about. So I'm asking God different things, and the Lord says to me, you, have the, you know, I'm asking him about my life, and he says, you have the sin of unbelief. I've shared this before. I mean, I'm offended at that. Like, sin of unbelief. I've been following you since I'm 19 years, 20 years old, Lord. Unbelief? Let's just lap that out. Smack, 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 smack. I'm showing him down all of these moments of faith where I believed him. You know, of course, he came through, but I've put faith on it, Lord. I have put faith on it. And I'm like, so you show me where the unbelief is, you know? 
I preach your promises. I live your promises. You show me. You know what he says to me? He said, if you believed that I was going to do with your life what I told you you I was going to do, you would be living differently. But because you do not live according to what I have told you over your life, you don't believe me. Your life is a reflection of your belief, Kevin. And I've told you this is what I want to do with you. But you live a way that is contrary to what I told you. You have excuses. You have plenty of things that get in the way. But nonetheless, you don't believe me. Therefore, that's the sin of unbelief. It's not the sin of condemnation. There's the sin of, say it with me, there's the sin of condemnation and the sin of misalignment. Most Christians, when you become a Christian, you're free from the sin of condemnation. But most Christians all still carry sins of misalignment. Their lives are not aligned through a belief system or willful action or pains or trauma. Their lives are not aligned. And so I asked him, I said, where's the root of that? Where does that come from? And he starts showing me deeper layers. You know, you don't believe I'm good. If you believed I was good, you would, you would follow me. Well, where does the root believe? Where do I believe the lie from that you're not good? Where do I get that from? And I start backtracking, not cutting at the tree, but trying to find the root of where this is manifesting from in my life. And when I found it, and I'm still finding them, I don't, give, I don't care where, you show me where this is coming from, and I'm going to find the root. This is, you know, going in, on, going in on this. And so that happened, and then things began to shift. But if you understand what I'm trying to tell you, there's integration issues within the heart. You know, the primary push of this message, I wasn't even planning on going into the heart. I was just going to show you the external things, do these things and follow the Lord. But Jesus is clearly more interested in the heart issues. So this is what's coming out. So, but the point being is that what God wants, we have issues outwardly that we need to do. Some of it's just issues of obedience and alignment. And stop being like everybody else. Stop settling for average when you've been called to be exceptional. You know, stop being an average Christian when God has called you to be exceptional. Be, be, be elite. Stop being average. Be elite. Do the things that your father says. Stop making excuses. And then the other issue is the internal issues, the things that prohibit us internally. Fear of men, you know, you know disbelief in ourselves, disbelief in the world around us, hurt, pain, trauma. You know, every time you step forward, something happens. That's another story. But the integrity, when we have an aligned heart, it enables us to move through the battle, move through the storms. Integration restores households. I want to share this with you. It says, if you pray and you seek the favor of the Almighty, if you become, say it with me, if I become, if I become pure, pure and my life becomes integrated, this is what it says, the Lord, can you say it with me, the Lord will rise up and restore my household. And though you started with little, you will end up with much. Some of you are praying for a restored household. He gives you the promise right here. I will restore your household if your life will become, if your heart will become unmixed and your life will become integrated. When you start with the mixture in your heart and you integrate your life with me and all of the areas of your life become integrated with me, the Lord says, I will get up and restore your household. The Lord's going to see to it personally. And he also promises a blessing. You don't have anything, but watch what I do. If your, life will, if your heart will become pure towards me and towards the things that I tell you to do and the ways that I tell you to do it, and you will begin to integrate the areas of your life, which looks like what? Your money, your sexuality, huh? Your time, how about that one? Your business, your relationships, your marriage, your, char- your parenting, your children. You say, wow, that's a lot. I understand. Start with one or two. Start with one or two. It's hard to take all that on at the same time if you don't have integration in any of those areas. 
Most of us, we don't parent like the Lord tells us to parent. I tried to parent like the Lord tells us. There's no guarantee it's going to work out, but what is guaranteed is that God will work in those children's lives because the deposit has been made. Amen. That's true. Same thing. So those are the integrations. And God says, I will restore your household if you will do these things. There's a promise with a condition, a promise with a condition. God's going to restore my household. Yes, he will. However, there's some conditions upon that. Gives us an eternal reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, so here it is. So how do you develop a heart of integrity? I'm going to do this in five minutes, eight minutes. I got eight minutes. Hey, that's good. How do you develop a heart of integrity? Say it with me. It is a willful, it is a willful. and direct intent. Accompanied, accompanied with choices. So if we can get our lives aligned first and we can start moving, and I believe if you start moving, then the deeper issues will be revealed. And, what you, and don't be afraid of the deeper issues. Don't be afraid of the deeper issues, right? Church doesn't know how to handle the deeper issues. Well, Elevate knows how to handle the deeper issues. We do. Sorry, we, we just do. That's why we're afraid of the deeper issues. If we don't deal with the deeper issues, we're not getting very far. I refuse to not go far. I refuse. Another story, another day. Sorry I keep pushing into inner healing. I keep being pulled into inner healing. I'm like, I don't want to go into inner healing. Arr. You get me talking about inner healing, I'll be here all day. Not because I enjoy doing it. It's a lot of work. I don't enjoy doing it because <laughs> it's a lot of work for me. But Jesus loves it because it sets people free. Yeah? And he's the heart healer and the chain breaker. So how do we develop a heart of, of, of integrity? Number one, our money. Where your treasure is, there your What are we talking about? The heart of integrity. What does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about how you use your money, how you spend your money, how you invest your money, how you save your money, or how you give your money? What does the Bible say about money as it relates to the Lord? What part of your money is the Lord's? Because part, part of it doesn't belong to you. It's devoted. It belongs to Jesus. You don't have to give it. You don't have to give him anything that belongs to him. But it belongs to him. Amen. What part of that? Do you understand what part, of, what part belongs to him? Do you understand that? So having integrity with your money. Having integrity with your money. Right? You have integrity with your money and a blessing of God will begin to flow in your life. Another story. How about your body? What, is the, what does the scripture say? Do you have integrity with your body? What does the body say about sexuality? <gasps> I know that's hard in this culture. La vida loca. Yeah. Woo! Let's do it. Anything and everything. What does the body say about, what does the Bible say about sexuality? What does the Bible, body, Bible say about your health, Christian? About how you take care of yourself. Physically. Emotionally. What's the Bible say about that? Your body's a temple. You know what we have? I told my wife, I said, we're all walking around in a milk carton that has an expiration date. Right? Your spirit lives forever, but one day this milk carton's just going to go, time's up, bro. And so we try to extend the shelf life of our milk carton by taking better care of ourselves. Our body's the temple, and we need to see it that way. Yeah? So what does the Bible say? That's an integration. God wants, God's will for you is long life. Did you know that? His will for you is good, prosperity, and long life. But he needs a little participation here. You know what I mean? My wife has a saying. She's convinced me of these things. She's like, Kevin, you have one car, and there's not a lot of spare parts laying around, so you better take care of this car. You're traveling through life in one vehicle, and you better take care of that vehicle because there's not a lot of spare parts laying around. And when things go sideways and south physically, it's not a good thing, is it? 
That's not a good thing. And you know what the doctors know? Not much. Not much. I'm going to trust the doctor. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works out. They're going to med you up, and, pop, and you'll be pill-popping for the rest of your days. That's how that works. No, that med is not working? Well, we'll give you four more. Another story. Ways, to the ways you treat people. How do you, you know, treat people better? Let no corrupt com communication come out of your mouth, like me at the Publix line. That's what I was trying to do. I really wanted to do it, but I, I didn't. I celebrate that. Hallelujah. Small victory. <laughs> but only what is good and necessary for edification. It might impart grace to the hearer. Speak nice things about people. Be kind. Be gracious. Don't talk behind people's back. Right? When you're talking behind people's back, it is a reflection of your own insecurity. That's really what it is. You're jealous. And the reason that you're jealous is you don't believe God will do for you what he will do for another. And so you want what someone else has because you don't believe your father's good. And so you're jealous and you cut the robe of another. We need to believe that our father's good. We're all subjected to jealousy. We're jealous by nature. But jealousy is a good thing because it points to the lies in our life. It points to the weaknesses in our life. It's like a compass. And we need to deal with the weaknesses in, the, in those things. That's another story. But speak kindly. Speak good. Change the atmosphere. I get jealous all the time. As soon as I feel jealousy, I'm like, I bless them all. I bless them all, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I bless them all. Everybody, I just bless them. I bless them, I bless them. I got, you talking about haters? Boof. You know, try being a pastor that actually speaks truth in this day. You get them from all sides. You know, we have a social media presence. And it's amazing to me that only the cynics are the ones that post. Instagram, you get thumbs up, amen, hallelujah. But YouTube, oh my gosh, man. It's like these guys sitting around in their pajamas all day long, got nothing better to do. Would comb through and say things. One guy had a debate with him. He was saying all these vicious things about me. And I just said, hey, man. I said, where, where you, where you and I just got to know him. And I found out he'd been hurt by a church. You know, and you, you read the thread. I'm talking to him. And I told him he got hurt by a church. And I told him all these different things. And he's just, he's, he's accusing me of things. And I'm like, how is it that you become an accuser of the brethren? I said, where's this coming from that you accuse God's people? Where's that coming from? That's not coming from Jesus. The devil's the... Exactly. Not Jesus. I said, you're an accuser of the brethren. And I'm like, where's the pain and the bitterness coming from? He's like, oh, it's part of this church. and You remind me of him. I'm like, well, I don't know what I remind you. What, I say Holy Spirit? Then maybe that reminds you of him? But I talked to him, and it ended very, very peacefully. I wanted to blast him. I wanted to defend myself. But I just I didn't want to engage. But I engaged this guy. And he kept trying to school me. It's fine. You want to school me? All right. You know everything. That's fine. Where's the pain? Where's the pain? You know? Where's the pain? Where's the pain? And then, you know, some other people said, wow, this was really beautiful. You know, glad to see you guys reconcile. I'm like, reconcile? There was no argument here. The guy's like coming at me. I'm like, wait. But do you understand that? You guys understand that? We want to say things. We speak. We bless. We don't curse. We speak life and not death. That's integrity. So the ways that we treat people, treat people with honesty, do unto others. That's the golden rule. We know that one. Keep, our, keep your word. Last, last thing, two things. Keep your word. Be a person of your word. Be a person people can count on. Have integrity with your word. The Bible says, when you vow to the Lord, do not delay. He has no pleasure in fools. Pay to the Lord what you owe him and what you vow to him. Do what you say. 
For in the Lord's eyes, it is better that you should not promise than that you should promise and not keep it. <laughs> do what you say. Look, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. But do what you say. Be, have that consistency in your life. If you make the commitment, fulfill it. Here's another one. Work. Two, two last ones. Work. Do you show up? Do you call out? Right? Do you do your job with excellence or do you just show up and skate by? Do you complain or do you contribute? Are you an asset or are you an liability? Here's Colossians. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not human masters because it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward. God's rewarding you. Your promotion isn't based on whether your boss sees you. Your promotion is based on whether Jesus sees you. Right? We work as unto the Lord. Say, I did that and I got fired. You know what? God's, God's got something for you. He's got something for you. God will promote you and he will take care of you. Be, be, don't be a liability. Be an asset. Don't complain. Contribute. Do your best. Give your best. You're going to receive something. Lastly is worship. Do you show up to worship? Y'all are here this morning. This is amazing. You honor the Lord. This is honor to him. When you show up, you're honoring God. He's honored by your presence. He's, it's, he's honored. This is, he considers this a sacrifice of worship when you come. Because it's not easy. We all don't. You know, sometimes, you know, we want to come. You know, but sometimes our flesh doesn't want to come. We don't want to roll out of bed. You, you know what I mean? Is your, is your pattern consistently in God's house? Is there a consistency there? Are you gone more than you're not? Are you here more than you're not? You know, I try to work by the 75% rule. That's an easy rule, you know? 75% of the time, you need to be here. Say, I need to be here 100% of the time. Okay, well, you know, go all in on the 100%, but 75%, yeah? You need to be consistently. Why? Because God's got something for you. He has something for you, and he's honored by your presence. And if it honors him, then we want to give it to him. Do you give? Do you serve? Is Jesus first, or are you? Jesus first as long as nothing else is on the agenda. Is that the case? We have to, this is, again, integrating our heart. Our heart is mixed. Lord, I give you all, but as soon as something else comes up, we, we chase that rabbit. Lord, it's all for you. I want to honor you, but as soon as something comes up, we go down that road, we, we go somewhere else. This is how the heart gets mixed. We have to have a whole heart when it comes to these things. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be confused or mixed about this. This is what I'm going to do. Come on, we're going to pray and we'll close it right here. You guys want to pray with me? Yeah. All right, let's pray. We're going to say a prayer. Say it with me. Jesus. Come on, you stand up. Stand up with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. It's, time it's time to change. I repent for taking so long. The time is now. I choose to integrate my life with yours. I give you my money, my body. I will learn and obey your ways. Not, your way, not my ways, not the world's ways, but your ways. I give you my words. I will bless with my words. I will not speak corruptly anymore. My words will bring life and hope and no pain. I will keep the promises to you and to others, and I will not make excuses. I give you my work habits. I will work with excellence. I repent of poor attitudes and actions in those areas. I choose to be an asset 
and not a liability. I will add value wherever I go, and I will be faithful in worship because you are worthy of it all. I will be faithful with the tithe. I will be faithful with the offering. I will bring my presence before you in the congregation, and I will not complain or give excuses. I will serve you as you have served me. I will serve your house. I will serve the marketplace. I will serve in the home, and I will serve in the streets. As I go, I will serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>